welcome to the rap chats. Um, I'm Phil Samba. Uh, my pronouns are he, him, and I'll be your host. I work for the Love Tank, a nonprofit organization promoting the health and well-being of typically underserved communities. And I'm the project coordinator of the rap, Lessons of Queer Resistance and Resilience from Pandemics. This is a project between the Love Tank and the University of Edinburgh, asking about what strategies of care in resilience queer communities were employing to resist ongoing, emerging and exacerbate health inequalities with a particular focus on resilience during pandemics. The Rap Chats are a short series of podcasts where I'm going to be interviewing people from queer projects and organizations that are involved in the Rap. So this week I will be joined by guest Daniel Lowell. Daniel is the co-founder and community engagement director of Parapride. He's been involved from the very start of its inception He's been integral to keeping the charity alive during the very worst parts of COVID, of the COVID pandemic, and his pronouns are he, him. So uh, welcome, and thank you so much for joining us. Uh, how are you today? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks, Phil. I'm very good, and I'm very excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for, for joining us. So uh, the very first thing, what is Parapride? Yeah, so um, Parapride is a, a nonprofit organization and uh, uh, that focuses on the intersection of being LGBTQ plus and disabled. Uh, we are an empowerment charity that advocates for the visibility, education and awareness of disabled LGBTQ plus people. It's incredible. And um, I guess, uh, why and um, when was Parapride founded? So, well, uh, the need for Power Pride for me personally came from a, a very evident need to address the lack of inclusion for disabled LGBTQ plus people, um, uh, you know, and a need for more accessible um, spaces within the LGBTQ plus community, and also a need to promote sex positivity around different bodies and being able to celebrate that. We are still a young grassroots organization. We are within our third year of operations. Actually, this month, the month of May, we turned, we officially turned three. And uh, um, uh, Parapride is really by disabled people who we are all volunteers. And uh, our lived experiences are very much at the foundation of Parapride. Um, and if you want, I can give you a little bit of a background of myself. Um, I, I am a disabled gay man. I live in London. Um, originally, I'm from Italy. My ethnic background is from Eritrea. I'm a person of color. My disability is very physical. I'm a double lower leg amputee. So I walk on prosthetic legs and I'm also a part-time wheelchair user. And I've been an amputee since 2016 after having meningitis and septicemia. And um, so... It, it, I uh, I have an acquired disability, uh, so I, I I in life I, I yeah I became disabled later on in life at the age of forty, and throughout my journey since becoming disabled, I realized that a lot of the time when people think about disabilities, they often think of uh, the vulnerability of people, you know, mm. the, the, a vulnerable community, people in need of special assistance, uh, in special care. And, uh, and then, you know, like on the complete other extreme, you know, you watch the Paralympic Games and then, you know, this perception changes completely. You know, you, you see a much more empowered and strong and resilient community uh, of disabled people and individuals. Uh, so I, I became aware that as far as mainstream society is concerned, you know, there is very little in between these two very far extremes. 
And as I became, uh, as, as I began my journey, I knew that I wanted to feel empowered by my difference. Um, but, you know, at the same time, when I got to the point of wanting to reconnect with, with, with my community, with the, with the gay community, I also uh, got reminded of the fact that my experience in mainstream gay community uh, pre-disability, you know, hasn't always been a very positive or welcoming one. Uh, mm -hmm. I lived in London now for more than 20 years. And as you probably know, as everyone knows, like the, the place to go to is usually Soho, uh, you know, where looks and status have a very, play a very big part in the gay lifestyle. And as a gay man myself, I could always see that there was a lot of pressure um, on appearing a certain way and, you know, to, to be able to feel included. And this in itself can be a very isolating experience. Uh, and, uh, you know, I could, I could see, I, I was able to observe back then that uh, there was no space for anyone who was disabled mm. uh, or there was no space for anyone who was older even. You know, there were hardly any women around. And so based on my experience, you know, through my observation back then, you know, I, I, I could see there was, it, it was a very divided community, which mm. was dominated mainly by cisgendered white gay men who were able-bodied. So, you know, fast forward a few years, you know, the thought of wanting to reconnect with the, with the gay community now as a, as a disabled person made me feel particularly stressed, you know, and anxious, you know, if I, if, mm -hmm. I, if I struggled so much back then, you know, how am I going to fit in now? And I didn't want to, these feelings to, dominate my life and, 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 and everything. So, so yeah, you know, like that, that in, in my experience, that is, uh, that is, uh, you know, the need for a power came from this uh, need to address these mm -hmm. issues and the lack of inclusion for, for disabled people. Um, thank you so much for being so uh, open and honest. Like it's, it, it's, it's really interesting to, to hear your side of the story and how, like, you know, I guess, what got you to this point? And then I guess with, within uh, everything that you were just saying, there's a lot of queer resilience within, within that alone. Um, I also found it interesting that you mentioned um, sex positivity within Parapride because um, I have a background in HIV and sexual health and we see it a lot of the time where a lot of people kind of uh, write disabled people off believing that they, they, they're not, they don't see them as sexual beings just because of their disability, which isn't fair. Like, so I, I, I've seen that a lot in my work. So it's, it's also interesting that you touched upon that. Also, um, I mirror a lot of what you were saying about, you know, being in queer spaces in London. So um, I, was, I was born and raised here. And like, like you said, um, the place to go is in Soho, but I've seen within like my own research, I've seen within my own experiences that they're not the most welcoming places. And it's, 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 it's hard enough being like a queer person of color in those spaces. So I can't imagine what it's like being a queer person of color and disabled in those spaces where it's primarily cis white gay men. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. As, as you know, as uh, the intersection, as, as more and more intersections add up to, you know, to, to the experience of, 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 of us as individuals, uh, definitely you can feel more and more um, the, the, the barriers, you know, you can feel more and more the struggles to integrate and to, you know, to feel, to feel included. Hmm. I also know that colloquially, um, a lot of, like, I have a lot of friends that are older than me, 
in the in the like um, I'm I'm in my early thirties. I have friends in their fifties and in their forties and stuff like that. And a lot of them have said that London is very um, is like especially ageist in a way that other other like um, you know gay parts of the the, the world, other um, gay cities, um, gay um, areas in, in different parts of the country aren't as bad. Whereas London, particularly, so can be extremely ageist on top of all the other issues that it has. So, I, 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 I've seen, I've seen, I've seen a shift as I've gone older as well. I've seen that like how I'm treated is is very different, and, and I'm all that that much older. But for guys that have you know just decided to find that have just found themselves and are able to go to the club is very different experience to anyone that's outside of that or like yeah. quite a bit older than that. So uh, yeah, um, I guess we we've talked a little bit about London, but um, is is Power Pride based in London? So uh, Power Pride was originally founded in London um, by a small team uh, of people who were based in and around London, and um, uh, over the years, you know, also thanks to the online presence, uh, uh, you know, to which we had to adapt over over COVID and over lockdown, uh, we are now known across the UK and uh, also. Uh, you know, our team today is uh, based, is part of our team today is, is based outside of London. And uh, that also keeps uh, us, you know, helps us to expand our reach, you know, having people based in different geographical areas. So, um, you know, I'd say we're mainly based in London. The, the, the events that we uh, held, the in-person events that we held in our first year of, um, of, of, of being Power Pride, those were held in London. And then, of course, over the past two years, where we had to adapt more to like uh, digital um, activities and projects, uh, those those were, you know, the, the, those were available everywhere. You know, like uh, we did a lot of Zoom uh, stuff that we were able to, um, you know, to, 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 yeah, to, to, to get a lot of engagement from people from across the UK, but also people from across the world as well. Okay, that's that's really cool. Um, um, that's actually I'm I'm gonna ask about that next. Um, so what sort of issues did you face, like sort of during the height of the worst parts of COVID? So well, you know, like like I mentioned briefly earlier, you know, in in our first year, we were able to produce three large events, in-person events, and. uh, we worked with the Royal Vauxhall Tavern and we worked with the uh, Stratford Circus Arts Centre. And, uh, you know, particularly the, Stratford's, uh, the Stratford event was particularly successful because we were able to present, you know, the biggest lineup of disabled queer performers um, ever seen before. And, uh, you know, the, these, these events really helped us um, to establish a very strong presence and, and, a, and a good connection, you know, with the, international, with the intersectional community that Parapride serves. And of course, it allowed us to create that inclusive social space that, uh, you know, for disabled queer people that hasn't really been done before, hasn't really been seen before. And then, of course, you know, when COVID came and the lockdowns came, you know, we, we didn't want to interrupt these engagements that we worked so hard on. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that became a very big worry because, uh, you know, having finally created spaces, safe social spaces for disabled people to gather and to be together confidently. Uh, and now all of that was compromised, you know, until we didn't know until when, you know, until further notice. And uh, uh, so there was a lot of additional concern for disabled people because uh, uh, we all, well, a lot of us 
fall into a vulnerability bracket, you know, which which made us uh, feel even more isolated. Mm. And, uh, uh, you know, from from an organizational um, point of view, we, 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 we felt in danger of the risk of what we achieved to that point, you know, being dissolved by the pandemic. So, you know, we had to get creative like many other organizations as well and many other groups and, and start to adapt our work digitally. I think um, that's that's the that's something that's I'm, I'm finding with uh, some of the the interviews and the case studies that I'm doing is um, I guess the 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 way of adaption, like even um, the organization that I work for, like because um, we're so used to um, throwing, we were so used to throwing, you know, um, in person events and you know being out in the community and uh, doing outreach in that that way. When we first went into lockdown, it was a bit confusing on to how do we then now get information out to other people, like especially around COVID, because I think it was quite confusing at that point in the beginning. Where it was like the information was changing a lot and we didn't know what was right, what wasn't wrong. And, you know, things were coming from all different places. Um, you know, research papers were coming out every, in drips and drabs. So it was hard to like yeah. to navigate. So I, I can relate to that. But um, uh one one thing one interesting thing about our organization is that um there was no opportunity for us to go on to follow um for a, a reason and it, because basically we were think there was still work to do and then although um it was suggested that people shouldn't have sex or shouldn't um you know we were one of the only organized the only sexual health organizations um that was actually saying you probably shouldn't have sex but if you do here's like a step-by-step like yeah. safety guide on how to do it so we had a lot of work to do and we're also sharing a lot of information about connect connecting uh covid stuff with certain services because that wasn't clear and the government weren't really talking about that so um, did you have any issues with like um, you know uh, furlough or people taking time off work as a result of the the, the lockdowns and stuff? Uh, as an organisation, mm. well, as an organisation, you know, because we are all volunteers and we all do our work, uh, you know, in our you know in 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 a specific time time, uh, you know, like uh, uh, it, it it did impact. Uh, the life of, of many of us, uh, because uh, of course, you know, being at home and either being furloughed or working from home, you know, like, you know, you really had to rearrange and rethink of like the time that you had available to, uh, you know, to give to mm. your voluntary work. And, uh, you know, so, so I think it, it, it worked out okay, you know, uh, on that, from, from that side, um, People, people managed to shift their time, um, you know, for, for the voluntary work in, in a way that worked out for them and for their families and, and, and stuff like that. Um, I, I think, you know, the real issue for us was what are we going to do? How are we going to do it? You know, how, what, what, let, let's get together. Let's think, you know, like what opportunities are, are there going to be? You know, like we, th- th- those were like the pressing concerns you know for us and uh, and but it, you know like it it also it was a time that um, we focus a lot on uh, uh, collaborative projects and collaborative uh, um, activities you know and you know working with great organizations and learning from them you know like and, and it, it, I remember you know like when um, when also I, I could see that campaign that you were running about you uh, you know, let's be realistic about how 
people will be dealing with um, um, you know, like with with, with uh, uh, connection, you know, connecting with other people, connecting sexually with other people. Uh, is it really the case that everyone is going to um, not not connect? You know, realistically, uh, people will still want to um, uh, you know meet people and um, you know and and on whichever whichever way you know whether it's sexual or whether it's social, you know, people will still expose themselves. So let's uh, be realistic and practical about. The, the type of advice and the type of uh, information that they need, you know, to um, to do this as safely as possible. Um, so so it, it was really interesting uh, during that time to to be able to uh, to see how other organizations work and, and, and what approach other organizations had in this you know really difficult time. Mm -hmm. I think it, it, it was it was really interesting to see um, how like where certain organizations, certain queer organizations fit amongst that, that kind of, um, that it, when it was like, um, uh, what's the word, the term is, um, damn, I can't remember. Like we, I heard, I heard this word constantly throughout 2020 and I can't remember it now. Um, but um, I can't think of the word, but the, the, the people that were regarded as like uh, vital workers, and there was a lot of uh, queer organizations that I've spoken with that saw themselves as that or saw the, the service that they're providing or the information that they're providing as such. And I, I'm, I'm seeing there's a lot of connection of a lot of queer organizations doing that or taking that upon themselves. And yeah. like in kind of, in absence of the government doing that sort of work, like uh, a lot of the time the government was just like, stay in your house and everything will be fine. <laughs> not knowing that, that that that's not so simple for a lot of people like a lot of people lived on their own and wouldn't see people for weeks at a time yeah. that, that was no good for people's mental health some people lived yeah. in overcrowded situations some people didn't have access to green spaces so it, it wasn't as simple or as straightforward and I think that was one thing that I found really frustrating about the pandemic yeah I guess you you, you did talk about how you you moved a lot of what you were doing um, offline, online. Um, how how else did COVID affect your way of working? So um, you know, it, it was very difficult. Uh, it was a very very difficult time um, because um, you know many disabled people have to face um, you know feelings of isolation in regular circumstances. You know, mm. in the day to day living. Um, so having to add the isolation that came with COVID and lockdown, you know, made things. Um, even more difficult. Um, many people for a long time couldn't even, you know, there was a lot of confusion, particularly at the start. And for, you know, not only at the start, for a prolonged period of time, um, you know, for a long time, people couldn't get basic support that they needed, you know, from food to, you know, carers visits and, you know, even like getting that daily exercise that was recommended. Um, but we became aware that it was also a time to, you know, reflect. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we really wanted to take this opportunity and think, you know, as we move forward, how can we use this experience to gain more inclusion for the marginalized and underrepresented LGBTQ plus communities? You know, so looking back, you know, with, with, the, with the prolonged and some even permanent closure of, of, of LGBTQ plus venues and, uh, you know, the difficulties of adapting to this new digital world and you know the impact of uh, living in fear of being exposed you know to the outside world and uh, you know and 
you know, on top of all that, also, you know, the feeling of not having any control or any power over the situation, you know, all of this really taught everyone what it's like to experience, you know, social exclusion mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and, and the impact that this is having on, on people's lives and on, uh, on, on, on the mental health as well. And um, I think that for some people in the wider society, in, in, in the wider um, LGBTQ plus community may be new to those feelings, you know, of social exclusion. Um, but the many marginalized and underrepresented queer communities were not unfamiliar with those feelings of isolation, you mm -hmm. know, from, from way before COVID, you know, such as also the disability community. And, uh, you know, as, as we started kind of like starting the feel of change and, uh, you know, the, 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 the feel of like uh, um, the end of a challenging time, you know, with, with the, you know, during, during which we had no social contact. Uh, but as we started to feel a little bit more hopeful about the future and looking forward to gradually returning to normal, you know, we also wanted to question and reflect, you know, what kind of social normal will we be going to, will we be going back to, you know, what, what can we uh, do now, you know, it, back then, what, what could have we done then to improve social exclusion in, 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 in a post lockdown, you know, like when, when we go back to normal. So, you know, particularly thinking of about the, the less visible and underrepresented communities. So, you know, we, we, we really wanted to take that, uh, concept and be able to um, to have conversations. So as uh, uh, you know, as we were adapting our work during lockdown and during COVID, you know, we we did some uh, online panel discussions on Zoom. You know, with the uh, um, with 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 guest speakers from different organizations, and uh, you know, so we did these live Zooms where you know we could have these interactive. Um, conversations and really sort of like hear what the community had to say and and what what they you know shared their thoughts um, and also it, it gave us the opportunity to great with to to work with great organizations and uh, and really kind of like put that message across um, and it it was it was a very interesting time so um, you know it, it was difficult it was very challenging um, but it, it it was also very um, useful to be able to you know to, to bring those conversations forward hmm. uh, again uh, thank you for sharing that like that was that was this is an extremely powerful way of how i guess queer people can be resilient yeah. during like something as, as like as horrific and as scary as like the covid pandemic especially during you know the first lockdown um it's also um it's making me think about how um you know how uh like Although a lot of a lot of the people that work for Power Pride are doing this, like you know, in their own time and voluntary, and how they still manage to still make time and move things around in order to keep doing this work because of how important it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, my next question is kind of similar to the last one, and it's it's about like, would you say COVID has changed the way that Power Pride functions now? Like, are there any changes that are permanent? Well, you know, I, I think that uh, what uh, COVID time taught us is definitely, you know, within the whole bad of COVID, it, it really um, it really taught us how uh, beneficial um, this new way of working, you know, online and, and, and digitally uh, 
how beneficial it is in terms of uh, your, you know, your reach, you know, how, you know, we over the past couple of years, thanks to our online presence and thanks to having uh, adapted to doing a lot of uh, online activities, uh, it, it really helped us uh, reach areas, you know, geographical areas um, that, uh, that would have been would have, would have been a lot more challenging to you know to reach if we were going to continue working the way we were pre-COVID, um, so I think that that is I, I think that is fair to say that that is something that uh, um, will change the way we work moving forward and uh, you know the way we adapted to uh, working we will continue doing that because uh, you know uh, aside of uh, the pandemic um, and those difficult times. There will always be people who are interested in the work that you do, but, uh, you know, physically they cannot uh, reach you, you know, mm -hmm. they cannot reach uh, some, 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 some in-person events and stuff like that. So it, it's great to have the option, you know, to, to, to have hybrid events, for instance. I think that's something that we will continue doing uh, as we move forward. Always give the option, you know, it, as an accessibility provision, you know, to, to, to be able to people to connect and uh, uh, feel like they can participate, even though they cannot, um, you know, they cannot be there uh, physically. So yeah, that that's definitely uh, something beneficial that we will continue doing. And and also, you know, it also allows us to, um, you know, to have our first international collaborations as well um, through being known uh, for our work online. You know, and again that wouldn't have been possibly that that wouldn't have been um you know available um that that so soon in our you know in our in our time so it did it did change some some things you know like not not covid itself but um, the considering the um options that we had available you know like and the platforms that we had available in the spaces the the digital spaces that we started using those those are definitely things that we want to continue using uh and that and that you know i suppose that permanent change is 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 there it, um that makes me happy because um usually when i ask that question it's not usually a positive thing <laughs> so i'm really happy that you know that um it worked out to some extent i mean uh I guess the, the thing about the, the the most recent pandemic was just that a lot of learning came from it in terms of how yeah. we operate, how we work, how we do certain things. So I'm, I'm yeah. glad that that's the case. Okay, so uh, this is my last question. And I'm not sure if it was an email. I may have put it in the, in the email prior to this, but hopefully I did. Um, my, my last question is like, what advice would you give other queer people to stay resilient? To stay resilient, yes, yeah, that that's a really interesting question. Um, you know, it's 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 also um, very broad. You know, like I I think that like resilience is something that we all have within us. You know, uh, and uh, you know, to to some of us uh, um, may you know some 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 people will have to use it more or sooner than other. I I, I don't know. You know, like it's it's so individual. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we we are resilient individuals. We are resilient communities, but it, it is resilience is not something that we all experience the same way. You know, it's something that uh, we all experience. People, particularly people who are from minority groups or marginalized communities, uh, I think that you know we will need to learn 
uh, to use our resilience. And it's it's not always a good thing that we have to, you know, yeah. uh, if you think about it. But it's something that we have to live with uh, over and over again in life. Uh, it's something that we will need to use. Um, you know, being resilient means like having to be strong and having to resist, you know, kind of like against strong currents and having to fight to be heard and to be seen. Mm. Uh, and, you know, these are, these are things that some people out there are very obvious, you know, and are very easy. You know, you speak, you are present and people will hear you, will see you immediately. But to many people, you know, you really have to shout extra loud, you know, to be able to kind of like be there. Now that, that level of resilience is something that we, you know, that we have to discover. Uh, yeah. and, uh, and, and people will discover it at different times and uh, at different points in their lives. Um, you know, I, I mentioned at the beginning of our chat, you know, when, when I became disabled, um, you know, it was after having meningitis and, and septicemia, which was, a, of course, a very difficult time in my life, you know, and, uh, and uh, you know, like I, I managed to fight through that really difficult time. And, you know, I remember talking to people, uh, even like uh, friends and family coming to visit me, uh, you know, in hospital and saying, oh my God, I don't know how you're doing it. Seriously, if, I'm, if I would be in that same position, you know, I, I don't know if I would have that strength to be able to. And I just knew it was something I, I always said, it's it's something that you have in you. You know, if if I would have had to think of some uh, being in secret circumstances like those before it happened, I would think the same thing. No way I could, you know, go through all that. But it's just something that comes when you really need it. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, and I think it's I think it's a beautiful thing. But uh, at the same time. You know, like I, I realize it's it's not always a, a positive thing that we have to be so resilient, you know, because it means that we are in that bracket of uh, of, um, of of people in community that that uh, that needs that extra resilience, uh, even for you know for more basic things. So yeah. you know, I'm I'm not sure whether that's an advice, <laughs> you know, but you know that's that's what I've got to share with you. You know, that that's what I've got to what I've got to say. No, that's that's really powerful and really useful. I think um, no one is ever expecting that question, and then I think as it comes out and naturally, they just the answers there. I feel everyone thinks that they can't answer, but then they end up doing it. So thank you. Yeah, yeah, welcome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. pleasure. So I guess um, that's all we have time for. Thank you so much for being part of this, and um, yeah, um, thank you again for being so open and um, sharing your story. And I can't wait for people to hear this. Thanks. Thanks, Phil. Thanks for having me. Uh, you know, I'm really happy that we managed to, uh, you know, to work together on this because, uh, you know, you and I met like <laughs> we both remember that time we met at that event. And uh, uh, so, yeah, and we kind of like stayed in touch. I think I, 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 I added you to, you know, our list. So event, every now and then I send you information about Power Pride. Uh, mm -hmm. and stuff like that and so when um i saw this opportunity uh, I, I think it, it's really important what you're doing and it's really important that we continue talking about the difficulties that that we all had to face mm -hmm. you know because uh, um, sometimes i can see that you know like people behave like covid never happened you yeah. know and we need to be reminded of of what happened because uh, you know that brought a lot of big change Mm -hmm. in our lives you know as individuals and as communities 
And uh, so, so it's important to have these conversations. So thanks for including me in that. Of course, you're welcome. Thank you.